Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Cinema Lounge podcast where we chill and talk about movies. My name is Garrett, uh, your host for today and just about every day of this podcast. Uh, (laughs) You know, I've had a solid week, first full week of classes uh, for my third year of college and uh, this is about to be a very, very busy year, uh, and I honestly cannot wait to get it done. <laughs> I cannot wait to be done with it. Um, but no, this is about to be a very busy semester, uh, and I might die by the end of it. But that's okay. At the very least, today I get to talk about movies and spend an hour of my time with you, dear viewer. <laughs> Uh, today we are talking about, uh, my top five favorite horror movie villains because, honestly, I've ran out, I I couldn't think of anything to do. (laughs) I I remembered I was supposed to record an episode about, I don't know, two hours ago, and I said, shoot, well, I don't have enough time to think of a movie, so I'm just gonna write some crap down and just see what happens. (laughs) No, but... Candyman, uh, 2021 is coming out, or came out this past weekend, uh, and I figured I would talk about something kind of horror-related before we get into the spooky month of October, where I plan on talking about all the spooky, scary skeletons, uh, of cinema, uh, then, but I guess this will be a preamble for it. This is me as a horror fan, uh, someone who's new, I'm a horror baby, I'm a horror baby, (laughs) Um, me talking about, out of the horror movies I have seen, who my favorite villains are, and so you kind of get a taste of my horror taste, uh, but yeah, and looking at the list, I just realized I forgot one, (laughs) but I'll, I'll just give him an honorable mention, uh, but before we get into that, let's get into the weekly headlines, uh, there's like three big pieces of news, I'm gonna start with the one that I actually have like a a graphic for that I didn't make. This is from Git Fandom. I was I was too lazy to make my own graphic, so shout out to them. Uh but we are getting a Lion King prequel that is going to follow the photorealistic thing of uh the photorealistic Lion King or the quote-unquote live action Lion King and yeah, I mean that idea just sounds dumb (laughs) because i haven't seen the reboot of lion king uh but i've heard it's bad i just don't like that everything's photorealistic because it takes away from the expressiveness of the characters uh i am someone who's a massive fan of the original lion king uh it is one of my favorite movies ever made it is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time so I have a very deep connection with this movie. I hate that they bungled it uh, with the live action thing, and now they're trying to do a prequel based off of that rather than doing it the classically animated style like old Lion King, good Lion King. Uh, But as you see here, Aaron Pierce will be playing young Mufasa. Aaron, or excuse me, Aaron Pierre. My bad, I'm sorry. Aaron Pierre just recently starred in old uh, M. Night Shyamalan's movie, I know him from uh, Krypton, the TV show from sci-fi, where he plays a Kryptonian uh, 
police officer, I, I think. But he's a solid actor. Uh, I'm sure he'll do a good job. And then Kelvin Harris Jr. or Harrison Jr. I'm I'm screwing up names today. Kelvin Harrison Jr. will be playing young Scar uh, in the show. And Kelvin Harrison Jr. He is an actor that is up and coming, young up and coming actor. He's really good. Uh, and I, I would say I'm an admirer, maybe even a fan. He's been in Waves, uh, It Comes at Night, The Trial of the Chicago Nine. Uh, he kind of started in the A24 circuit. Now he's kind of coming to to the bigger projects. First Aaron Sorkin, now we're, he's going Disney. So good on both of them. I'm sure they'll do good jobs. My issues is just why. <laughs> at the very least, do it traditionally animated. I don't think it's going to be a bad idea to do a prequel because we have a little bit of knowledge of what happened before how scar wasn't actually named scar i forget his uh his old name but he got the name scar because he was relentlessly bullied as a kid so it will kind of be this origin story by way of something like wicked or uh other stuff like that <laughs> This will be a Maleficent-type movie, probably, or project. I don't even know if it's a movie or a TV show. But it will be a project like probably Maleficent and something something along those lines where we get to see the bad guys' origin story, classic Disney villain's origin story, Cruella, stuff like that. Um, and I'm sure it'll be fine. And it, it's not going to be <laughs> as bad as the original or as the... the, the first one because i think this is actually trying to tell a new story that we only really got i think in picture books and that kind of stuff rather than on the big screen so we won't have a lot to compare it to i still wish it was traditionally animated though because i just think it looks better photorealistic stuff works great if you're not just going to focus on animals <laughs> if you're gonna have people there and creating photorealistic environments around that works for that end. Uh, next, Cobra Kai uh, is already getting renewed for season five uh, ahead of its season four premiere. I'm a Cobra Kai fan. I love how just overly dramatic it is. <laughs> it is, uh, it is very much a karate soap opera, and I eat that crap up. So. Uh, I'm glad they're getting a season five. I wonder what they're going to do with season four. We haven't gotten a trailer for that yet, but now they get a fifth season to play around with characters. Uh, season three gave us kind of the origin story of John Kreese, and uh, we got to tease that Terry Silver's coming in, so he'll be in season four. I wonder if they're going to bring in uh, any other characters for season five, if there are any other characters to bring in besides maybe... What, Hilary Swank was the female Karate Kid? I haven't seen that movie, so I've only seen the first three. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it. I'm excited. The show's been fun. It has been uh, soapy, but I, I love it. It's pretty much just like CW if the writing was better uh, on a higher budget. And I, I enjoy that. Uh, and then finally, <laughs> the final thing... Uh, is kind of like the thing this week that everybody's talking about. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone's flipping out. 
and that is Spider-Man No Way Home. Finally got a trailer dropped after the trailer was leaked, <laughs> prompting Kevin Feige to go, ah, oh, crap, well, we got to release the trailer now, which I love it when that happens. <laughs> I love it when they're trying to play things close to the vest and someone just goes, hey, here's some information. They go, gosh, dang it, we got it. We got to confirm it now. <laughs> we got to do something or they're just going to take all our views. Uh, but yeah, everyone's freaking out about the trailer. And I'm going to be honest. When I watched the trailer the first time around, I said, yep. <laughs> and, and by no means am I saying like the trailer was bad or the movie looks bad. I'm a massive Spider-Man fan. Spider-Man is my favorite superhero of all time. Uh, so I'm still looking forward to seeing this. My... The trailer just kind of, it showed some things I already knew. If you listened to an earlier episode of the podcast, I covered some of the story leaks. There's actually been a script leak uh, that happened, I don't know how long ago, but there was a script leak that kind of confirmed the entire uh, story of of the movie coming from a credible source who has leaked their MCU information before that has been correct. Uh so I already knew a lot of the stuff going in. The goblin bomb dropping. Oh yeah, well I knew Norman, I knew Norman Osborn was coming back. Uh, Doc Ock coming in going, hello Peter. I was like, yeah. I mean, the, the CGI doesn't look great. The de-aging was weird, but yeah. I mean, I knew that was coming in. So maybe that was just a consequence of me keeping up with the leak information and that kind of stuff because... Everything I saw in that trailer, I pretty much knew was going to happen based off of the Lego set leaks and the script leaks and the information leaks. So it was just kind of, oh, well, now we get to visualize it. And visualizing it, I'm I'm just kind of, I feel, <laughs> I feel conflicted. Because on one hand, I love Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, and The Amazing Spider-Man. Spider-Man 3 is fun but not great. Spider Amazing Spider-Man 2 is fun, but not great. <laughs> so, on that end, I'm excited to see these characters coming back, because quite honestly, the more I see Tom Holland Spider-Man, the more I'm just apathetic towards him. Homecoming, I enjoyed the movie. I loved the movie. Uh, I like Tom Holland in the role. And nothing against him. I think he's doing a good job. I think the way they're writing him and using him is just wrong, <laughs> in my opinion. Stuff I don't like. They're making him Iron Man uh, 2.0 or Iron Boy, giving him these high-tech suits without having to deal first with creating his own web slingers and, and, and experimenting, right? Or, uh, and granted, we did get kind of his homemade costume in the first movie, but still his main costume was the freaking iron spider it's not iron spider iron spider but essentially stark industry spider suit and then we had him go to the spider iron spider stuff and i'm just like i just i like spider-man when it's small scale we don't need him going to dc in the first movie going to europe in the second movie going to space and then going to the multiverse I just want a nice, simple Spider-Man movie that takes place in New York that deals with his relationship with the villains and just have them have conflict, <laughs> right? For me, those that's my favorite stuff. Spider-Man 2, Peter Parker, Otto Octavius, 
they build a relationship, relationship falls apart, and we get to see the conflict that comes from that. Norman Osborn, Peter Parker, same thing. Uh, I mean, his rogues gallery is probably my second favorite rogues gallery of any supervillain or a superhero because he has so many in-depth relationships with every almost every villain he encounters. Even if it is a goofy throwaway villain, he still has somewhat of a relationship with them, even if it is, oh, what's up, Rhino? How you doing? <laughs> you know, he's always very conversational with them. He's always kind of down to earth with them, even as he's fighting them. And that's very endearing, and that's something that I feel is lacking a bit. Uh, and the more we go on from Homecoming, the more annoyed I get with the writing where he's portrayed more neurotic like he's dr strange just setting up the spelling he's like oh but what about aunt may what about what about ned what about mj and like dr strange's like shut up kid i'm trying to just it's like but 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 what about this oh crap i didn't think this through and just you know first off dr strange should be smarter than that i've seen some people say oh he could be a scroll there's something weird going on and i'm I agree, there's something weird going on. Either this is bad writing or they're clearly trying to set up something uh, for Doctor Strange as there's something not right with him because there's no way that Doctor Strange that we have come to know would just go, yeah, I'm going to try this really complicated spell with this kid who can't shut the crap up (laughs) and just mess with people's lives this way. There's no way he would do that. And then Spider-Man should be freaking smart enough to know, oh yeah, you know, I'm not I'm gonna let him do his own thing. Or at the very least, think through this. Uh I think people are trying to say this is based off like the one more day story arc, and I if I remember right, I grant, I haven't read the comic issues, but if I remember right, I had read a little bit about him a few years back, and I think that's when his uh, I didn't, it, this might not be it, this might be a, like, renew your vows, maybe, where, I think this was in the aftermath of the Civil War comic arc, and his identity was exposed, and he tried to live like that for a while, but after a while, since his identity was exposed, supervillains were going after Aunt May, after MJ, and he was trying to balance this life out and he just couldn't he couldn't protect the people he loved because all these people with vendettas against him were coming after his family and his friends and mephisto comes to him comes to him and offers him a deal and peter has to make a deal with the devil it's something that's weighing heavily on his mind and he's at a weakened state and that's when he accepts the deal this just seems like peter goes Dang it, I, I just don't want to deal with this lawsuit, th- this court case. <laughs> Everyone knows who I am, and just, life's hard, and I just, I don't want to do this. Hey, Doctor Strange, can I just, can we just, like, make it to where this never happened? That's kind of how it came off to me, and I'm not quite vibing with it. I feel like Peter should have, should have enough development at this point to recognize that he, he's, he has to deal with it, and... If anything, it should be someone coming to him with the offer where he's at a weakened state so he doesn't just look like a freaking idiot or a flaker or someone who just doesn't want to deal with consequences. And that's kind of my worry for it. Uh, The trailer still looks fun. I mean, it'll be fun. Uh, 
it's not confirmed, but Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire through various amounts of leaks and, and I think set footage and, and, you know, meetings or whatever, they're going to be in the movie. I 100% believe that if you don't, if you don't believe that you haven't been paying attention, <laughs> but they're going to be in the movie. Uh, I don't want to like spoil too much based off of what I know, but that's kind of like a common knowledge thing. Uh, so it's going to be fun to see them again. Uh, you know, Doc Ock is clearly going to be in it. Uh, Norman Osborn, Green Goblin from Spider-Man is going to be in it. Uh, and based on the leaks, he's going to play a pretty big role. Uh, what, I think we got a glimpse of the lizard, and the leaks have kind of said said the lizard's probably going to be in the movie. Uh, and then we got Sandman and what looks like Electro... Uh, Electro Jamie Foxx accidentally confirmed that Sandman there have been rumors swirling around based off of the leaks he's going to be in the movie uh, and people, this is kind of gearing up for the Sinister Six which finally <laughs> after what eight nine movies we're finally getting the Sinister Six uh, that's just kind of like a given Spider-Man story to do and it'll be fun and I think if you're going to do it you might as well do it this way and just bring in every villain you've ever had uh, to try to do this. I don't think Venom's going to be in the movie. Uh, I think, what, that's four, four or five. I think there's going to be two more to the Sinister Six uh, based on the leaks. Uh, but I'm not going to say any more after that. It all, all I'll say is it's two villains that we've seen before. <laughs> uh that people are saying that might be in it. One of them uh, was in a Lego set. <laughs> so in the Lego set leaks, uh, if you want to look at that, one of the villains that had wasn't in the trailer is in one of the Lego sets. Uh, and the other one, based on the leaks, that's who we're going to see. <laughs> and I don't remember how much of this I talked about previously, but I'm just going to try to keep it vague because I know people are head over heels. I For me, I need to see more. Uh, I need to see just more of if the leaks are true or not. If the leaks are true, I'm a little... I'm a little on the fence with it. Uh, I don't entirely hate what the leaks say, but I also... I, I also am not fully in love with it, but we'll see. Uh, I feel like this... If the leaks are true and if the trailer looks like the trailer, if the trailer is conveying this right, it kind of just looks like this is a, this is going to be the cynical side of me. This looks like it's a cash grab of, we're just going to cash in on, in on nostalgia and just solely rely on that to sell the movie and we're not going to do anything with it. And I'm worried for that. That's my big worry going into this movie is, it feels like this movie had no creativity of its own <laughs> like they didn't know what to do with spider-man so they just said let's just bring in anyone we can from previous spider-man movies and just try to make something with that and people will eat it up because nostalgia and that is the the most cynical part of me right now <laughs> so hopefully it's not that it might not be that um either way it'll probably be a fun time it's not like i'm gonna go watch this movie and go oh my gosh i hate this movie. it looks like it'll be fun regardless of if it's 
it has no creativity or doesn't know what the crap to do with itself um it'll be fun i guess the last point of that is it's trying to delve into the spider-verse i think i've talked a little bit about the multiverse and my feelings of it <laughs> uh in in a podcast episode a couple weeks back but i guess to reiterate it I'm not a fan of the multiverse idea unless it's done in a way that really feels creative because it a lot of the way a lot of the time multiverse is just an excuse to be lazy with your concepts and and not actually do anything of your own and just take other people's work and just kind of say oh well now it's mine because I made the Spider-Man costume white or now Spider-Man's wearing armor or now Spider-Man's black, now Spider-Man's white, now Spider-Man's a woman, now Spider- You know, this is like, how about we- How about you just make a new superhero and just go do that? You know, the multiverse is basically just this entry- Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, I just hit the mic. <laughs> that hurt my ears. Uh, but it's just like, it's a gate of op- opening a gate and just go, Hey, you don't have to tell stories- about original characters anymore you can just do whatever you want with what we have (laughs) what blue marvel you don't have to make a blue marvel movie you don't have to make uh a century movie what you don't have to make uh i don't know you don't have to make a movie about any of the characters that you haven't made stuff about just make female ant-man do do that (laughs) uh so that's my worry right there with the multiverse, but it has been done well. Uh, once again, Spider-Verse, one of my favorite movies ever made, uh, and it use it uses the multiverse concept in, uh, smart in a smart and intelligent way to explore certain themes that only come with the multiverse, which I enjoyed. So there is a right way to do it. I don't hate the idea or reject it outright. I just, it worries me. Um, but we'll see. The movie comes out. Uh, this Christmas, uh, as if you didn't know, this movie's probably going to be the biggest movie of the year, considering no one's going to the theaters right now, and every movie that goes there flops unless you're F9 or Free Guy, it seems. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's get into the main topic now that we're 22 minutes into the episode. Uh, this is probably going to be short, I didn't write out any, like, deep thoughts, because, as I said... I am a horror newbie. I am a horror baby. I got into horror last two mm, year and a half ago. Let's let's go there. Uh, it started when a buddy of mine forced me to come. Not forced me, but we went over to his house and he made it, me and Brock watch Sinister for the first time, and it that was my first true horror movie to watch, and that was the summer. I want to say the summer of nineteen, maybe. Maybe, yeah, summer of 19 sounds right. So two years ago. And since then, I had a great experience with it. I loved feeling terror uh, while watching a movie. Uh, And so I got deeper into horror. I started watching uh, certain horror YouTubers. uh, uh, One of them, Dead Meat. I watch a lot of their content, great content. Go check them out there. Um, But... I got I got really engrossed into the horror landscape and figuring out what kind of horror works for me. Do I like some of the more existential stuff, human, 
uh, supernatural? Do I like slashers? Do I like more uh, existential, uh, metaphorical horror? And it's been fun exploring that. Now, I haven't seen every horror movie out there. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen Alien, Aliens, Hellraiser, Child's Play. Uh, I've only seen the first Friday the 13th. So, top five horror villains will not include the Xenomorph or Pinhead or Chucky or, or Jason Voorhees. Uh, uh, blah, blah, blah. I, haven't, I haven't seen Psycho uh, yet, so... I don't even remember the kid. Uh, Norman Bates won't be on here. This is strictly movies I have seen, strictly horror villains that I've actually had experience with in the past two years, um, and just kind of what have risen to the top for me for horror. And I'm sorry if me saying horror sometimes comes across as me saying whore. <laughs> <laughs> because sometimes it's sounding like that in my ears and that might bother me a little bit if it bothers you um first let's have some honorable mentions first i had pennywise uh i mean from the new it i haven't seen old it with tim curry even though i've seen some clips you know the one where he's like <laughs> that <laughs> i haven't <laughs> i haven't seen that mini series <laughs> but i have seen uh, both the new reboot and its sequel, sequel, not great. The original, or the first one is actually pretty good, and I think a lot of that has to do with Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise, uh, who's, you know, hey, Billy, <laughs> I need to stop doing impressions while I do this. I just, I really have a fun time mimicking voices. It's just, it's a fun thing for me. Uh, but Pennywise was great, uh, you know. We all float down here. It's he. He's perfect. He's great. I love him. Uh, I just hate that he was defeated and killed because people called him a clown. <laughs> like it's uh like it's an internet debate or something. Um. Then next we have Tall Man from, uh. The Phantasm movies. Uh. This seems to be a horror franchise that not a lot of people talk about. I just kind of stumbled upon it on Amazon Prime. Most, of the, most if not all, the movies are on there. Uh, so I spent the past year watching all five or six of them. Uh, the first one's great. The rest of them, not so much. Various degrees of quality. But I kind of got sucked into the world. Part of it, Tall Man's by far the standout of every movie. Uh, just played by this giant dude who's like six foot something, <laughs> has this gravelly voice. I mean, he was perfect for that. And if the movies were any better, uh, or if his, he had a better costume, he probably would be up there as one of the most iconic horror villains of all time. Which is the way he talks gives you chills. The, the boy, that, oof, I, I love it. Uh, next, the Predator. I guess that... The Predator, original Predator, I guess counts as horror. Uh, this is this. He's been on the horror wiki and stuff, so I'm assuming you know horror. Even though Predator's also partially an action movie, uh, really good movie. Love the Predator, and Ghostface from Scream. Uh, that's the one that I think I was gonna put on the top five and forgot about until the minute I clicked record on uh, the, the episode. So. Can't go back and correct it. Uh, but Ghostface, I mean, the Scream movies are one of my favorite 
franchises right now. Uh, the first one is one of my favorite movies. The second one is solid. Uh, the third and fourth are, are kind of are kind of bunk, but still, I really like uh, Sydney in as the lead character, Ghostface, and in, in the voice. The do you like scary movies? That oh, I love the voice. I love the costume design. I love how just tongue in cheek every movie is. Uh, the mystery, the who done it, is always fun to kind of go along with to see who's Ghostface. And Ghostface isn't really a character so much as just a personification of whatever the villains of the movie are. And I like it. I enjoy it. And that's probably why he wouldn't reach the top five is because Ghostface in and of himself isn't really a singular character. He is multiple different people across multiple different movies. So you would really have to specify, like, do you mean Billy or Stu or, uh, you know, (laughs) the rest of them? It would be Billy and Stu. Uh, and then finally, Bagul from Sinister, uh, holy crap, he looks intimidating and scary as heck, uh, but because he's barely in the movie, he doesn't quite crack the top five, but, I mean, the scene where Ethan Hawke turns away from the camera, and there's a picture of Bagul on the camera screen, and he just moves, looks at Ethan, and then goes back, uh, all the f- home video footage where he's just in the background is spooky. Oh my gosh. But he doesn't have much of a screen presence outside of that. So doesn't quite crack the top five. Now, let's get into the top five horror villains of all time for me. Excluding any movie I haven't seen. <laughs> uh, number five is Godzilla. Um... Now, you might not think that Godzilla is a villain or a horror movie villain. Uh, I think technically the monster movie genre is a subgenre of the horror movie. But that does not negate the fact that in the very first appearance of Godzilla, in the movie Godzilla from 1953 or 54, great movie. I, I really liked it. That movie is more of a horror movie. It is much more uh, a serious drama horror monster movie and Godzilla is the villain the big bad and I love just all the symbolism and and how he represents the atomic bomb and the results of World War II the bombing to Nagasaki uh this this movie was made maybe like five years after World War II ended so this is kind of this was fresh wounds for the the makers of this movie and Godzilla just represents that so well, and the concept of him is so good uh, that he's remained iconic and has become a cultural icon across the world. I mean, the still I'm using is from Godzilla vs. Kong that came out this year and qualified as a massive blockbuster. Uh, I mean, the design is so simple and, and so good. Uh the Godzilla roar, I think, has been relatively the same throughout the years since 53 or 54. Uh, and that's just crazy. Uh, Godzilla's, like, going to turn 70 in a few in a couple years. Uh, and he stood the test of time for that reason, because he started out as a villain and now has become a hero. Almost this massive character arc, which is great. You, you love to see it. Uh... But the only reason he's number five is I think he's only really a villain and a horror movie villain and really the first movie. Uh, 
next, though. Next, we got Candyman. Uh, yeah. I watched the first Candyman a few months ago. <laughs> and when I initially watched it, I was like, ah, yeah, it, it's pretty. It's a pretty solid movie. Candyman's pretty good. And the more I sit about it and the more I think about it, this movie has been re living rent-free in my head for a hot second. Uh, mostly because of Tony Todd as Candyman. The voice, the demeanor, the costume design where he looks like just this really slick pimp, but he's ominous because it's all brown and black. He's got the hook for a hand. Uh, and the fact that this was based off of real-life events or real-life folktale kind of adds a bit more gravitas and, and weight to the character than something like Tall Man or Pennywise where this was just created by a singular person. This is a character that was pulled from different parts of culture so he already feels naturally ingrained in our world uh the bloody mary thing kind of inspired him the there was that the story about the hook the uh what, what was it called like tall not a tall tale but like the folk tale the the horror story that we would tell around the campfire he's the manifestation of that of our childhood fears uh and that works so well also the original Candyman is really good. Uh, I love just how ethereal it is and how he's almost, he's part slasher, but he's also kind of like the Phantom of the Opera where he's trying to lure this woman in and, and you know, the whole, be my victim. That is, oof. Also, the bees. <laughs> I, love, I love how they incorporate the bees into the character. Uh, just everything was so so perfect designing the character executing the character the fact that he just already feels like a part of our world before you even watch it you go oh my gosh he's the guy that's the story of the hook is about he's not but that's what it feels like oh if i say Candyman <laughs> in a mirror five times just like bloody mary he'll appear that just feels more tangible to us as a horror movie slasher that has supernatural origins and yeah uh, I love it. <laughs> uh, I would highly recommend the original Candyman movie, by the way. Uh, we'll see how the new one shapes out. Uh, I, it's been getting some good reviews from critics, but also some things that are a bit eyebrow-raising. Uh, but that'll be, it'll, it'll be fine, you know. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be a good time. Uh, as long as it does not put the message first and puts the story first. And I've seen, and this is going to be a side tangent, but, and I might talk about this later, but there's been conversation about, oh, well, this, this new one's going to be way too woke or way too political or whatever. And people go, oh, well, you didn't see the original Candyman. And I'm, ah, I've seen the original Candyman. Yes, there are political messages uh, kind of about, yeah, gentrification, stuff like that. The issue, or the difference is, if this, if the new movie is like this, is the original one didn't focus on the politics as the thing they're going to push. They pushed the story, they pushed this ethereal feeling, and allowed the story to just have the politics kind of in there. It was plot, it was a plot-driven, story-driven, atmosphere-driven movie that had those messages embedded in there. This new one looks like it's going to be a message-driven film that is going to try to hammer it home every chance it gets. 
that this is the message we want you to receive. You have to believe this. Oh, by the way, this movie's also about Candyman, right? It is a plot being led by message, rather a plot that kind of has a message to it. Uh, and I think that will ultimately be the difference if this movie ends up being the way uh, it's being promoted. But yeah, Candyman, great. Freddy Krueger is number three. <laughs> uh, wow, yeah, I've only seen the f first two <laughs> uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I've been trying to... For whatever reason, they put every single Nightmare on Elm Street movie on HBO Max except for the third one. So I've been trying to find the third one everywhere because I enjoy this character. This character is great because he's just this maniacal uh, serial killer. He's almost like a supervillain, right? Uh, Robert England looks just looks like he's having the time of his life every time he gets to be this character. The character design is great with the burns all over his face, the little hat... The, the freaking razor finger glove. Oh my gosh. It's it, The design is instantly iconic. And unlike someone like Jason, this guy has a personality. You He sticks with you a little bit more than Jason. Jason just has the hockey mask and he kills people. But Freddy just feels like this is something he loves doing. And that makes him all the more scary. <laughs> This is something he's not compelled to do or something he just kind of does. No, he does it because he loves it, because that's who he is. <laughs> and that's, frankly, terrifying as all heck. <laughs> uh, but yeah, everything about the character just is fun. Not to mention the fact, the most iconic part, is that this man can come after you in your dreams. That's haunting. Look at that image. I'm looking at it right now. I don't want to see that man when I close my eyes at night. I don't want to see that man when I'm drifting off to dreamland and I'm dreaming about going, I don't know, forgetting a textbook and I go back home to get the textbook and suddenly he's standing there. That's terrifying. Like, this guy doesn't give a crap about your own privacy. Oh, well, I'm just going to sleep and go, go off to dreamland. He says, hey, screw you. I'll kill you in dreamland. This man exists out in the ether. I don't think he actually takes on a physical form in real life. I, he, I think he might in the second one, and that might be different going forward. But especially in the first one, Freddy Krueger doesn't exist in, in the real world. He's out in the ether to where the one thing you need to do every night, you can't do. So you're losing energy. Eventually, you're going to fall asleep, and eventually this guy's going to find you. There's no running from, from him. That's also scary, and also the fact he enjoys slicing and dicing children up. <laughs> also, his kill where he kills Johnny Depp in the first one, the the one where he just sucks him through the bed and just splurts out blood, freaking great. And for an 80s movie, I don't, I've seen some 80s horror, and not a lot of them scare me that much. There was one scene, and I forget what it was, but I remember watching it, my skin, like, I was getting goosebumps watching it, and I said... Okay, okay, I see you. <laughs> I see you, Freddy Krueger. Uh, yeah, number two. Number two is Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> uh, I guess he counts as a horror movie villain. You could also qualify him as this uh, detective villain. But he, there's a lot of horror elements to Silence of the Lambs and the Hannibal TV show that just displays the horror of man. Uh, 
Silence of the Lambs, great movie. Uh, Hannibal, also a great TV show. I'm not a huge fan of season three uh, and where it kind of went, but overall, it was still a really good show. Season two is one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen. Uh, but Hannibal Lecter is a big part of that, whether it's uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins or it's Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, this character is just unsettling. The fact that he gives off such a pleasant and refined demeanor, right? Where he's talking to Clarice and he's just, hello, Clarice. Uh, what he said, he once said that uh, lack of manners or something is undignifying to him and he won't have it. Like, he's such a refined man who just loves conversation. But then you see him killing and eating people, <laughs> right? The entirety of Silence of the Lambs, this man is behind a locked cage, and they tell you he's dangerous, but he's just, he's someone who stares into your soul. You know, you, you might have a little thing where it's like, you know, have, I had a friend with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs> you know, that. But that's also something he does to play psychological mind games with you. And he's a guy who's way smarter than you, and he knows it. Uh, and that makes him such a great antagonist, such a great villain, because he is scary, and he can, and he knows it. He's smarter than you, and he knows it. He could, he could do whatever he wanted and get away with it, and he knows it. He only everything he does is so meticulously planned out. And on top of that, he has no problems killing and eating you and serving you food. <laughs> In the show, Hannibal, he will literally kill kill a major character and then cut up their kidneys and like serve it to the other main characters. <laughs> like, you go over to Hannibal Lecter's house, you don't know if you're going to be eaten or if you're going to be eating your friend. <laughs> um, but yeah... Great antagonist. Uh, if you haven't seen Hannibal, the NBC show, uh, wow, NBC. I think this was NBC, but like for a network television show, holy crap, they were allowed to get away with a lot. There's someone who gets like friggin' sliced and diced, like they went through a bread slicer and then put in these frames. <clears throat> There's a scene where uh, Hannibal Lecter literally cuts off this guy's limbs and then feeds, or cuts off this guy's legs and then feeds it to him. And it's like, how is this on network television like 10 years ago? Not even like modern, <laughs> modern network television would let you do that. Uh, they broke the mold and just did a great job. The fact that they got Lawrence Fisher and Mads Mikkelsen on a network television drama, uh, back in the day, back in, well, in 2010, when both of them were pretty big actors doing blockbusters, I know Lawrence Fishburne, I think, is on Blackish now, so he doesn't have any qualms with that. And Mads Mikkelsen, I think, is doing smaller movies now after Doctor Strange. But still, these guys were in, in these, a time of their lives when they were pretty big stars. People knew who they were, uh, and they did a network television show about a serial killer. Uh, everything about it was like, this shouldn't have happened, but it did, and it's great. I love it. <laughs> uh, so, highly recommend that, uh, and that's part of a lot of the reason why Hannibal Lecter's up here, but can't forget Anthony Hopkins.
uh, in his portrayal in Silence of the Lambs. Finally, we got number one. We're about <clears throat> 40... We're about 44 minutes in. Let's reveal our number one, and then we'll wrap up everything. Drum roll, please. That was awful, and I am embarrassed because I was once a percussionist. <laughs> number one's Michael Myers. Uh, it's really weird looking at him as number one. And I'll tell you why. Every other every other villain I had on here, they were on here because they had personality. Because they had this great persona. They had uh, this really clever and elaborate design or some intense symbolism. Michael Myers is a dude with a reverse William Shatner mask that is spray-painted uh, white... And he wears a, like, prison <laughs> prison get-up, kind of. Or, like, a jacket. Not a really an elaborate design. And he holds a knife. Yet he is my favorite horror movie villain. Because of j you look at that, and it's just so ominous. He is just a shadow. He's a figure who will just come at you. And why he's better than Jason, who's also a silent killer... Jason doesn't feel like a looming threat. Also, I haven't seen any movies Jason has been in. But when I see clips, Jason doesn't feel like a looming threat. This guy always feels like he's in control. He's an unstoppable force. And every movie is just him going, doing his thing until he comes across an immovable object. And boom. So first movie, it was Laurie Strode. Uh, and then in the new... I've only seen the first one and then the most recent one. But both movies, he's just... His presence just makes you feel uncomfortable. This guy feels real. Yes, he shrugs off a lot of stuff that can kill him. But at least in those two movies, he feels real. You could be just sitting at your in your home late at night, and this guy could just walk in without you noticing, stab you a couple times, and then just move on like it's nothing. And that's why I think, out of all of them, this one kind of hits... <laughs> this one hits different michael myers hits different godzilla we're not gonna see a giant lizard out uh you know as americans we don't really have to deal with the the physical fallout of the nuclear bomb plus godzilla's kind of become a bit commercialized so he doesn't feel as big of a threat he doesn't feel like this looming presence to us Candyman uh is a ghost as long as you don't say Candy man, and I'm here five times in a row. You're good, right? It's your own actions that kind of bring this guy. So as long as we just avoid him, we're good. Freddy Krueger? Yeah, the idea of him being able to come into your dreams and kill you is terrifying. But at the very least, there's the possibility that you don't dream. <laughs> and at the very least, you can move about your real world without worrying about him. Hannibal Lecter? Dude's a cannibal serial killer who is very sophisticated. Yeah, that's spooky and scary, but how many of those are you going to come across? Most most cannibals I know... <laughs> I don't know any cannibals, but most cannibals are probably crazy people 
who live out in the middle of nowhere. There's not a lot of cannibals that are going to be in cities or in suburban areas or, heck, even in small town communities, unless they're all cannibals. <laughs> but Michael Myers, anywhere he can find you, you could be in a convenience store late at night. He's probably going to, he could be there, right? Even in the middle of the day, he doesn't have any qualms. He kills a dude in the public bathroom in the middle of the day in uh, the Halloween 2 on the 18 reboot. He doesn't give a crap. He just kills because he does. That he literally that's it. They think they try to mythalize, mythicalize him, mythologize him. To say he's the he is the origin of all evil. He's the embodiment of evil. He comes at night and he can't be stopped. But yeah, he kind of shrugs off some stuff. But literally all he is is just a dude with a knife. With a mask on. <laughs> that's it. And that's what makes him terrifying. He's taken seriously when he's just a dude with a knife. Yeah, we can try to fight back against him, but he's going to find a way because that's what he does. That's who Michael Myers is. And that's why he's my favorite horror movie antagonist. Because he's just an unstoppable force with this really creepy demeanor. Just this resting face that shows no emotion. Right? And I imagine that's what he looks like underneath. He's not killing people with this vitriol. No, he's not going to kill someone because they wronged him. He's just going to kill them because that's what he does. He kills them habitually. <laughs> oh, you're alone at night? I guess I'm going to kill you then. There's no rhyme, no reason to it, but yet he feels so realistic as a villain, as someone who could exist in real life. You could be in your house right now, at night, listening to this podcast. Michael Myers could have walked in through your back door and could be standing behind you right now with a knife raised over his head, ready to stab you. Why? I don't know. Because you happen to be in his eyesight. <laughs> That's why I love him. That's why he's he's probably my favorite. Also, Halloween and Halloween 2018, both really good movies. Uh, Halloween 2018, first horror movie I saw in theaters. Uh, so I guess this is kind of what caught me on my horror kick. I don't know. Either this or Sinister. But that is also part of it. I went to see this movie in theaters. Um, wow. It was, it was a great experience. <laughs> horror is very fun when you're with an audience of people who are getting into it. Where you're all getting scared at the same moments. Uh, I enjoy, especially with slasher movies, where there are people going, No, don't go there! Oh my gosh! And everyone's just like, oh my gosh! Right? For me, that's enjoyable. I like watching horror with, with groups of people, as long as it's slasher horror. I think slasher horror is fun uh, with a group of people. And that's why slasher horror is like my favorite genre. Because you get the creative kills. You get just the, the fun stalking. Fun stalking. But you get just the fun kills. If you watch it with people, you get to kind of have a fun time. You don't have to take it seriously if you don't want to. But you can also take it seriously and still experience the same kills, the same horror to it. Where something like The Lighthouse, which is a really good movie. I was glad. I went into a theater and there's two other people and we stayed silent the entire time because that's the type of movie that The Lighthouse is. But yeah, you know... There's just something about watching a slasher flick with a group of people and you're just having a fun time. And that's part of my affinity towards Michael Myers as well. 
uh, favorite horror villain of all time. Yeah. Uh, we're going to wrap it up now. Uh, there's no, like, bottom line, no wrap-up, because, I mean, it's just my top five favorite horror villains. So, I mean, if you want, like, a summary, I just love, <laughs> I love a lot of horror movies, as long as you have a good antagonist and decent kills and good horror. Let's keep going. We, oh, what, wrong thing. Release Radar. Uh... We had a few things come out. C season two with Dave Batista will be on Apple TV Plus. I think it's airing episodes once a week. I don't know what day though. Uh, if you like the first one, I'm sure you're gonna plan on watching it. If you didn't, okay. If you haven't seen any of it, like me, you could go either way. I got more interested when I saw Dave Batista was in it though. I'll say that. Uh, Vacation Friends will be out on Hulu. Is out on Hulu uh, since Friday. It's about uh, Laurel and his wife trying to just enjoy a decent vacation, and John Cena and his wife uh, are crazy people. So yeah, I mean, it looks like a lot of fun. I plan on seeing it at some point. Uh, so check that one out. <laughs> you got Clickbait uh, that came out on Netflix, which is about this guy who gets kidnapped. Uh, and is being filmed, and at one at, at five million views, he dies. His family's trying to get him back. I've heard some good things about this movie. It seems like a fun uh, little thriller. Next, <laughs> uh, Archer season twelve uh, just started this week. If you're a big fan of Archer, I'm sure you're already aware of this and watching it. This will be on Fox or FX, I guess. Uh, I haven't actually seen anything from this show. I've heard it's really good, and I've been wanting to watch it because it just looks like an over-the-top fun time. Uh, and finally, we have Candyman 2021. <laughs> Part of me is excited to see this movie. I like... Jeez, uh, what's his name? Hold on, let me look it up. Because I don't want to get his name wrong, and it's really hard to remember. <laughs> it's uh, it stars if I can get it to load. Well, it stars Tony Todd for one as Candyman, but it also stars Yahya Abdul Mateen the Second, who. Is a very good up and coming, kind of up and coming. He's already he's been around the block, but he was in Watchmen. I haven't. I've only seen the first episode of Watchmen, uh, the TV show. To clarify, uh, people say it's good. I haven't finished it, so we'll see. Uh, he was in Aquaman as Black Manta. He was really good as Black Manta, in my opinion. I I really liked him as Black Manta. Uh, and the more Injustice 2 I played, the more of a fan I become of Black Manta. Uh, I just think Black Manta is such a cool character. I think he's a good actor. Uh, he's leading this movie. And yeah, I kind of explained my point of view on this, so I'll, I'll just kind of keep it short. I'm worried that they're going to try to be message-driven like a lot of movies rather than story-driven with a message attached that allows people to see your message and see your point without telling you <laughs> your message or your point. And that's when movies become frustrating. That's when people start not liking your movies. Uh, but yeah. I'm sure it'll be fine. 
I hope. <laughs> I will let you know after I uh, when and if I see it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it for the movies that came out this week. Uh, if you're interested, go check them out. You know, uh, I will try to be checking out Candyman. I will watch Best Friend or Vacation Friends. Uh, I'm trying to watch as many movies that come out this year as possible. So I can come up with a list where I rank them all. And at the very least, I will count down my top 10 and bottom 10 for you at the end of the year. Look forward to that. Weekly recommendations. First is Punch, Punch Drunk Love, starring Adam Sandler, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Louis Guzman, and Emily Watson, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Watch this for the first time. Uh, I've only seen two other movies from him. Uh, Boogie Nights, which is really good considering the subject matter is something that I do not like. <laughs> uh, and what was the other thing I've seen? Oh, there will be blood, which I really like. And I think that last scene at the bowling alley is freaking amazing. The confession scene is amazing, but this is my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie so far. Adam Sandler does a really good job. Uh, it's such just a weird, goofy, wacky, uh, rom-com, but in a way that only Paul Thomas Anderson can do, uh, where Adam Sandler meets this girl who's the love of his life after getting scammed on a sex phone hotline, excuse me, which leads to all sorts of shenanigans, uh, fun movie, highly recommend that. Next is Raising Arizona from the Coen Brothers, the second Coen Brothers movie, uh, with Nick Cage kidnapping a baby. <laughs> uh, I didn't really know what what the movie was like entirely about going in, and that's kind of the best way to experience Coen Brothers movies. Uh, this is just a weird, wacky comedy. Both of these are weird, wacky comedies, but this is just like so over the top it can get a bit much sometimes but overall really funny uh i laughed out loud at a couple points and the scene where uh where nick cage robs a convenience store <laughs> uh to get huggies is one of the best scenes i've ever seen one of the scenes that i just kept laughing out loud uh such a fun movie uh yeah, I, I would highly recommend that one. And then finally, <laughs> wrapping up after two highly respected uh, directors and their kind of comedies, we're going to wrap it up with generic action movie Fast Five. I'm sure most people have seen the Fast and Furious movies. Uh, I watched the first five this week because those are the only ones that are available on streaming services right now. Uh Fast and Furious, really good, honestly. Like, I genuinely got into it. I think the story and the relationship was good. Uh, it felt a bit like Point Break, but with car racing, and I, I dug it. Too Fast, Too Furious uh, introduced us to Roman. I really liked Roman. I really liked O'Connor. The rest of it was boring. <laughs> I think Eva Mendez was good, but that was about it. Uh... Tokyo Drift, I really liked the atmosphere. I thought the villain was the best at that point. Uh, and probably even so far, like, he's felt a bit more realistic rather than just a plot device. Uh, and Han 
was amazing. I love Han. Han might be my favorite character from this franchise. Uh, but the main characters were boring and the story sucked. <laughs> uh, and then Fast and Furious, uh, the fourth one, uh, was just kind of, eh. Uh, we got to see Dom again. Dom was cool, <laughs> I guess. He was kind of sleepwalking through it. O'Connor was good, uh, as per usual. And Giselle was 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 a fun character that they're bring they brought back. Uh, but overall, it was just kind of, eh. Like you could probably have fun with it. And honestly, like all these movies, I had fun with. It was just two, three, and four just weren't like good in terms of quality. Uh, Fast Five, however, is my favorite of the bunch because it felt like. It felt like Ocean's Eleven met the Fast and Furious franchise, and then it became like the Avengers crossover where they brought in Roman and Tej from Too Fast, Too Furious, Dom and uh, O'Connor from the first Fast and Furious, Giselle comes in from the fourth one, then you also got uh, the two Spanish-speaking guys from the fourth one. You bring in Han from Tokyo Drift, and it's like this Avengers-level team-up for the Fast and Furious franchise, and I kind of dug it. Also, The Rock was great in it as just this aggressive, foul-mouthed dude. You don't really get him in that role anymore. Uh, yeah, it like for being two hours, ten minutes, didn't feel that long. The action was fun without being over-the-top unrealistic. The worst it got was dragging a safe through the streets, and even then... Besides some question of friction and, like, why it isn't digging itself into the asphalt. I didn't have a lot of problems with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a really fun time. You actually, like, get character drama that you kind of get into and invested in. Uh, and this was Dom at his best. Besides maybe the first one. And I really enjoyed it. Go check it out. If... For whatever reason you haven't, uh, Fast Five and the first one are definitely worth the the watch. Watch them all with your friends. Uh, that's probably the best way to do that. Whew, I'm a little out of breath right now. So, that's that's about it <laughs> for this week's episode. Uh, glad I got this out. I'm surprised it's as long as it is. But yeah, thank you for watching and listening to the Cinema Lounge podcast. I've been your host, Garrett Inman. Go check us out. Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars. Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Click the bell icon. Let us know in the comments down below what you think about these horror movie villains. Uh, anything I talked about, really. Uh, press the, the bell icon. Uh, follow us on Rumble. And subscribe there. Uh, do all the things. And the channel will grow. And I'll appreciate it. Thank you for all who have gotten this far of the podcast. I know it can be difficult to uh, stick with us for this long, so I appreciate you for doing that. I love you all. It's getting hot up here. My room is the hottest one in the house, and I am starting to sweat. <laughs> so I'm going to wrap this up. I hope you guys have a great day. I love you all. Stay safe. And remember, who can take the sunshine... <laughs> Fill it up with dread. The candy man, the candy man, yeah, the candy man can, the candy man can.
have a good night. <laughs> and then the man can really make this love making all that good. <laughs>